0: This morning, we're going to be looking just before the story of David and Goliath, and then really look at what can we learn from David about all new beings We are talking about how we conquer giants all month. Last week, we looked at naming our giant, and we realized by looking at the life of Saul that sometimes the struggle in our life is not really the struggle and is not really the giant. But the struggle in our life brings to light giants that we are dealing with in our own heart and our own soul. Like last night, as we were trying to break into our own home because the garage door broke and we couldn't find a key to our front door, (laughs) the struggle and the giant wasn't that we couldn't get in. It was that I'm not really sure what it is yet, <laughs> but I'm sure that there's a lesson to learn aside from patience, uh, lots of it. But I'm glad that each of you are here with us this morning. As we look at David, and as you can see from your insert, it's not our normal insert. We're going to spell out David this morning and look at these familiar verses to us to see what we can learn about the obedience. You see, David, we know from Scripture, was the second Israelite king. We learned about the first Israelite king last week, Saul. Saul had everything going for him. People wanted him to be king. They asked for a king. But Saul, in their words, is giants. And in ignoring the giants and failing to recognize them, it led to disobedience. And this disobedience, cost him what he thought he would have forever. In the moment that he chose to disobey God, God anointed the next king. And it wasn't his son, Jonathan, like he thought it was going to be. And this is where we meet David. And that's actually in the chapter before our scripture lesson this morning. You see, Samuel, the prophet, whom the Israelites had listened to for such a long time, mourned over the loss of Saul. Saul wasn't dead, but he knew that God had chosen a new king. And it wasn't the one that he had anointed him. I think even Samuel may have been dealing with some giants of not being able to choose the right thing. Samuel was grieving Saul, and God told Samuel, Samuel you got to get over it. It's time to go to Bethlehem, and I'm going to show you who the next king will be. And you will need to anoint this person. You need to go to Bethlehem, and you need to find Jesse. He did what Samuel was used to doing. He heard from God, and he listened to him, and he went to Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, he met Jesse. There's something you need to know about Jesse. Jesse was the grandson of Ruth in Boaz. If you remember back in September, the story of Ruth and Naomi, we know that Ruth was accustomed to getting on the edge of a cliff, wondering what the next step is, taking it, and believing and having faith that God would provide what was next. So Jesse grew up in a family hearing these stories about his grandmother, who understood bold obedience. So I have an inkling and in a thought that as Jesse heard those stories, so did his sons. Samuel met seven of Jesse's sons when he arrived. Seven of them. He had a lot of sons. And each time someone would come up and he would ask God, okay, God, is this the next anointed king? And God would say, no. And so Samuel asked Jesse, do you have any other sons? And Jesse said, I do. He's the youngest, and he's just a shepherd. Surely he's not the next king. However, when David came up to Samuel, God told him, this is the next king. Anoint him with oil. This is a picture that depicts this scene of Samuel anointing David, if you notice every other gentleman in the picture seems to be much more burly and much older. But this is when David knew he would be the next king. In chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, we also learn that in the moment that David was anointed as king, The Lord came upon him in a magnificent way. And the Lord left Saul. The Spirit of God left Saul and then began to torment Saul's soul. So no longer was it the Spirit of God, but an evil spirit that began to torment Saul. So much to the point where Saul said, okay. Somebody's got to help me with this, because I can't handle this torment. And he asked his servants, Do you know anyone who can help me? Maybe some music would help soothe my soul. How many of you are soothed by music? Yes, Saul is just like us. His soul was being tormented, and one of his servants said, Oh, wow, well, King, I know this shepherd boy who plays wonderful music. And I believe the Lord is upon him. This is how David came to know Saul. David was brought from the fields to play for the king. When the king would be tormented, David would play. And the king's soul would then be sued. This is where chapter 17 of first Daniel begins. And we can see that Saul goes out into the battlefield to see what this big Philistine, his name was Goliath, is doing. He seemed to be tormenting his troops, requesting a battle. There's a picture of Goliath, much taller than everyone else. He wanted to fight. He wanted a battle. I know growing up, the story of David and Goliath, I heard that David was out in the field tending sheep and that his father said to go and bring his brother's food. However, if you read the original Greek translation of this text, that part of the story is not in there. It seems as when it was originally written and then when it was translated, they seem to add a narrative to show what David did prior to knowing King Saul. In all actuality, David was probably at the battlefield with Saul, because he had already been to see Saul to play the music whenever his soul was tormented. And it was tormented a lot. So imagine David, this shepherd boy, ready to play at any given moment. This shepherd boy who had not been to a battlefield before, this shepherd boy who looked much different than all of the warriors who were there, hearing this Goliath. This Goliath taunting the people that he loved, taunting the God that he worshipped. That is the David that we hear about in our scripture lesson today. David did not like what And this is where we begin what David teaches us about bold obedience. See, if David were here, I think one of the first things that he would tell us is to have bold obedience, you must be willing to be vulnerable. See, David spoke up to the king. Prior to this, we don't hear David and the king talk. We know David played for the king, but we don't know that he talked to him. You didn't talk to the king unless you were asked to speak. Nobody asked David to speak, but he did. He chose to say, I'll fight the Philistine. That's being vulnerable. He knew that he had to speak up to the king to do that. But he also opened himself up to everybody else's taunting and jeering. The shepherd boy, you're gonna go fight the Philistines. We can't be afraid. We must be vulnerable. This reminds me of when I was at home, someone here years ago now, when I made the first step of leaving public education and not knowing what that meant. I had to be vulnerable to so what does that mean? This is what I've worked my whole life for. This is where I am. I'm in a good spot." The jeering (laughs) that came from those around me opened me up. I had to be vulnerable for whatever the next step was, when I didn't even know what the next step was or could even articulate why, aside from, I know I'm not supposed to be here anymore. Being vulnerable it is not easy. But David opened himself up to that. He said, send me. I will. And when the king could see that there was no changing his mind, he said, okay, well, you are the one who keeps my soul from being tormented, so I'm going to make sure you're safe. Here's all my armor. Take it. Protect yourself. Go fight this Philistine. But this is where we learn the second thing from David. We have to do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. You see, we must acknowledge our gifts, our talents, that God has given us. The king wanted to give David his armor but David knew he had a different gift. You see, it kind of makes me think about all of this that I have up here. David, when he put on the armor, he didn't know how to use it. It just weighed him down. He couldn't even move. It would be like me if I picked up this hammer. If the world depended on me building something, we'd all be in trouble. Maybe some of you think, Boy, if I had to write something, we'd be in trouble. Others are gifted in first aid, and they like helping people in this way. Some of us would be terrified at the sight of blood. If the world depended on us using this kit, we would have to open it up and possibly ask someone... Oh, goodness. If I have to get out of the with this, I don't know that I could. It reminds me of game nights at our house when we um, play games. And there are some games that uh, I love and some games that my husband hates. Uh, Scrabble for one. I love Scrabble. Tim? Would rather not. You see, we have to work within our gifts in order to slay giants in our lives. I know that when I work outside of my gifts and my talents, I become exhausted really easily. But when I am working within my gifts and my talents, I'm energized. I seem to have this unknown energy that I can keep going and going and going. But as soon as you hand me things that I'm not comfortable with, that I'm not gifted or talented in, it's as though I have armor on. And I can't move. I don't want to move. See, David knew how to use stones and a slingshot. That's what shepherds did. But it it's kind of why we use these stones for our prayers. We all know how to pick up a stone. And, and David held this stone in his hand. He knew that this was where his giftings were. He knew. But there was more than that to this stone. You see, because David also taught us something else in this passage. He said, no, I know, I know what I, think I am good at. And I know how God has prepared me for this time. Remember, David grew up in a family who understood to build a David had heard truths about who God was and how He was made in His image. Probably since he was small, they didn't necessarily have a whole lot of written texts at that time. It was mostly people didn't read; they heard it. They heard the word and they heard truths. We must cultivate truths in our lives. You see, David had the stone, and David had the slingshot, and he said, I will kill you, the giant. I will kill you because the Lord God is with me. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to stand up in front of a giant and say, I'm going to conquer you, I don't know that I could have been as sure as David was, handy, Ben bending the stone. You have to cultivate truths in your own lives in order to truly have full obedience. You have to be constantly in God's words, hearing and remembering how you are made in His image, remembering that He is always with you. The path from where I was when I stepped out of public education to today, if I didn't continuously cultivate truths, there's no way I could be standing here. And five years ago at this time, was, I started the process of becoming ordained in the United Methodist Church. That's a long time. A year ago at this time, I was getting ready to go before the Board of Ordained Ministry to become commissioned, to become a reverent, which was a big step. I met with my group who interviewed me. They said, yes, we affirm your call 100%. Great. Three days later, I got a phone call that said, hmm, we're going to wait and vote on you in greater war until May. Oh, OK, I'll just put my life on pause. It's not how it works. And if I had not cultivated the truths of my life about who I am, and whose I am, I really wouldn't standing here this morning. I go back to that same group of people in a week from tomorrow, and we'll get to do the whole lovely thing over again, being vulnerable. But I have to continuously cultivate the truths and continue to make those bold steps forward. Without it, the only other option is lots. And that does not lead to obedience. We have to continuously cultivate the truth in our life. David did this time and time and time again, starting with standing up to the giant and telling the giant, Mm-mm, not today. You don't win today. Many times I have had to, in the middle of the day, say, not today, Satan. (laughs) In the past year, we've been here all day long. You have to continuously cultivate truths. And it's why I think David was able to pen this song. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and all my hope is in you all day long. That's what David called me That's what David knew, which makes the next step of bold obedience pretty easy. If you cultivate truth over and over and over and over again, then you can put your trust, your faith, in God. It was as though David said a prayer with this stone. God, you're with me. In this stone, I know you will conquer this giant as we have been praying prayers for our community, for those within our church and outside of the walls, we have been praying and saying, God for our trust in you to make this different. It's believing the truth that God makes all things. And so David swung in his slingshot, hit the Philistines, with all types of scientific videos, to say that yes, that could potentially happen, and he went down. But he didn't just stop there. He didn't stop declaring that God was king there. He told all the other Philistines, I'm not afraid of you either. It's with me. The slingshot, the tool he knew, is what saved the day. Because he put his trust in God. Proverbs 3.5 is one of the first verses that I remember memorizing as a child. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. Lean not into your own understanding. David swung the slingshot and leaned forward into God, not back into himself. We have to continuously, over and over, cultivate the truth that reminds us that it's okay to not know what that next step is. God has it. It's not by any stretch of the imagination. But as we look at the life of David, that's kind of where it ends with David and Goliath. But it's not what we, where we stop learning from him. David continues into his journey. Now remember, when he was on that battlefield, he knew he was the next anointed king. His dad knew he was the next anointed king. Any of his brothers that were around the day in which Samuel was there knew he was the next anointed king. But David didn't try to take over. David knew when he entered the house of Saul, he would be the next king. But he didn't try to be king immediately. You see, we learn from David that we need to be okay with slow obedience in the same direction. Many times it is the decisions that we make that seem small on a daily basis over and over and over again that really shows how bold our obedience is. It's not one big gesture of killing a giant, it's deciding over and over Yes, Lord, I choose truth. Yes, Lord, I choose my faith in you. Time and time again. I know there are people in my life who have shown me that in obedience, the truths of the scriptures. There are people that have shown me that, yes, it's those small steps every day that make a difference. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. The goal isn't to get to the end as quickly as we can to get off the credit. It's so that when the time comes, it's that God says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. David was faithful with his slingshot and a rock. That was a small thing compared to what David would be in later. His bold obedience that day led to more. We know his life wasn't perfect, like none of ours are, but it starts with one step. The author of Hebrews says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That is the type of faith that David has. That is the type of faith that we are all called to have. There are a lot of different ways that you can respond this morning. Last week we named giants, and I know several people named some giants last week. This week, maybe you'd like to help identify your gifts, your talents, and how they can be used for God's glory. You can mark that and we'll make sure that you have that information and walk with you as you look at what might be a way that you can get back. Another would be, I will use the Bible emergency numbers card. That was in your bulletin. It's the blue sheet. And maybe you already know all of these truths. And they're truths that, that you're not, not afraid of and you know for sure. But maybe there's someone in your life that might need those emergency numbers maybe in conversation in the next week as you're out to lunch or out to dinner you realize that the waitress could use some emergency contact numbers i would challenge you to use this card in whichever way you see fit whether that be for yourself or for someone else my guess is we're going to have some extras left over if you want to pass them out but also, we'll be sharing it on Facebook so that you can share it on your own page as well. But maybe there's somebody in your life who has shown bold obedience. And you want to thank them. Bold obedience in the same direction is not an easy thing. Imagine a little bit of encouragement from someone who doesn't even know they've seen your bold obedience can do for someone. so them thank you Maybe you have a bold obedience story, or maybe you're wondering if you do, and the person next to you is going, You do, you do. I would challenge you to write it down and to share it with someone. Had the author of First Samuel not written down the story of David and Goliath, we would not have it to share this morning. Our story is our testimony. There are a hundred million news stories right now many of which are not positive many of which do not elevate god many of which are not for god's glory what if we were the ones to share the stories that show god's faithfulness what if we were the ones who confidently shared what god has done in our life not because we want the glory but to bring God glory. What if your story is the one that helps somebody else meet Jesus? The last thing is something we talked about last week. We have two different opportunities to show full obedience in our giving and also with our prayers. We are praying over the next month for our fresh awakening weekend that there would be a fresh awakening within us and in turn coffee. You can be praying for that if you weren't here last week and you want to make sure you're a part of that, you can mark that. But also there is an opportunity to give towards the new emergency department prayer room chapel at Adena. As a corporate member of Adena, we have been asked to raise $5,555 to help support this chapel. Imagine the steps of bold obedience that can be taken in that chapel. And we get to be a part of it. There's information in your bulletin about that if you want to know more information. Um, But I would just challenge you to ask God, exactly where is it you need to take a step of bold obedience? Bold obedience are, are small steps in the same direction, not always big ones. But where is it this morning he's asking you to take a step? Because the only way to conquer giants in our lives is one step at a time. Would you pray for me? Father God, we come to you this morning knowing that you are Lord God Almighty. You made the heavens and the earth, and you helped these seasons change and remind us that. You are the one in control. Lord, we humbly seek you to know your will. And I ask that as we each take whatever step it is in bold obedience this week, that you protect us. We know that steps of obedience are steps that Satan does not like. So whenever that we take them, there is pushback. Lord, I ask that you guard the hearts of those who are here and listening so that when the pushback comes, the truth that they have cultivated allows them to know that the step they're taking is yours. Father, we just thank you again for your son, Jesus, who showed us how to live, who took the boldest step ever so that we can be here this morning worshiping you, loving you in a way that allows us to be filled by your holy spirit so that this bold step doesn't stop here but just begins in jesus name we pray amen let us now continue our worship through our tithes and offerings